Earliest memory of Dirk. It was probably probably a year he was playing with Steve Nash. I kept hearing somebody named Dirt, like with a T. So I was like, why is this dude named Dirt in the league? And then I, you know, I found out he was actually pretty good. So. Why is this dude named Dirt? <laughs> why, is, why, why is there a na- dude named Dirt in the league? And then, why? Uh, and then to take it a step further, that Dirt can ball a little bit. Yeah, he's pretty good. Really so, messing me up. Yeah, and that number two, <laughs> if your name is Dirt, why are you good? Uh, I think that the other part of that that I like is at no point in time did I think of Dirk as being a guy who played with Steve Nash. <laughs> Steve Nash is a Hall of Famer, obviously, and one of the greatest Mavericks of all time, two-time league MVP. But no, whenever it was friend, he was friend in Dallas, of Steve, Steve Nash. Nash was playing with Dirk in my mind. <laughs> that right? one, that one year they played together. <laughs> That's a- so hey everyone, if you aren't familiar with the four pointer, this is the four pointer episode one, because we're starting back at one like Brian McKnight wandering through a cornfield for some reason. I don't know why he's in the cornfield. Someone help Brian McKnight. But uh, episode one of the four pointer. If you're familiar with our work, then uh, welcome back. If you're new, hey, pull up a chair. We'll be here a little while. Uh, let me tease this show before we get to all the paperwork. Um, we're gonna talk to Jake about his uh, expectations for Luca because we've heard mine, we've heard Bobby's, we've heard Skins. Uh, on this podcast network, which we actually have a podcast network now, which is really stinking cool to me, and I'm excited about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the DeAndre effect. We're going to talk about Dirk coming off the bench. Dirk coming off the bench. And uh, the 27 and under club and how those kind of dudes can maybe jump into all-star contention this year. So that's the tease. Also, later this week, we're going to talk to uh, Ian Thompson, who wrote the book, The Soul of Basketball, the epic showdown between LeBron, Kobe, Doc, and Dirk that saved the NBA. It's an awesome freaking book. Go get it. We're going to have him on the phone, I think, Wednesday nights. Maybe that'll be out Thursday, maybe Friday. So check that out. Media Day is Friday as well. So if you want to watch the live stream with Coop and uh, Mark Followell, please do that. Tune in. Check that out. We're going to have some players. I think every player is stopping by. We're going to do some fun stuff uh, on social for that day. And uh, also, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, how do I get involved? How do I sponsor this thing? Well, just shoot us an email. Uh, you can email me if you want to. Uh, Mike Marshall at DallasMavs.com. And uh, if you want to get on the ground floor before we take over your entire neighborhood like, uh, like mums and pumpkin spice, then uh, get in now. And you can, uh, a couple years from now, you can say, hey, remember, I was y'all's first sponsor. Be cool to me. And maybe we will. But uh, yeah, very excited to be launching the Mavericks Podcast Network. I'm Mike Marshall. That's Jake Kemp. Hello. And uh, if you don't know where to find his work, The Athletic, the tickets every single day, noon to three, um, basically any cool stuff that you actually want to hear on the ticket on a daily basis, Jake puts together. So <laughs> he's, the, he's the one that's still trying. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, I am trying. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to keep trying. The, the, gr- the, the Grind life, Hard right? Club. Yeah, for sure. And this is my this is by far the best time of the year. Whenever yeah. the Mavericks still haven't lost a game <laughs> because they haven't played. Never lost. So we can be theoretically just very, very excited about it. And I'm not going to lie, by about six thirty last Sunday night, mm-hmm. so this would be week one of the NFL. Yeah. I was just 
I was like the uh, Space Ghost meme where I was just laying in bed with my hand on my picture of Luca, <laughs> caressing it, <laughs> thinking, this can save me. Dude, I almost, so we'll, we'll jump into, I guess, my scouting report after I went to practice and hung out with him for like an hour last Friday. Um, but I almost, I was debating it. Like the clock hit like four o'clock, right? And we had just gotten back from practice and I'm like, you know, I could probably stay here till about eight and edit all this footage and get it out to everybody. I could probably do that. And then I was like, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll let it, I'll let it simmer. And then we dropped it, uh, I guess when was it? It was Friday. It was three days ago. Right. We dropped the Luca practice thing, but um, yeah, I guess let's roll into it, man. What are hey, have your... you said? Have you said much about what you're exactly doing for the Mavericks in a recorded? I know you were on with uh, with Bobby and with Skin. Uh, I don't remember how they introduced me before we started uh, grab assing, but uh, managing editor of digital media is the title, and uh, they have me positioned pretty well in a little corner where I don't have to mess with much of the riffraff. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of over there, and whenever a cool project gets dreamed up, I'm like, let's go do it, guys, and I'll go grab the camera, I'll go shoot it, I'll go edit it. Um, the coolest thing I think we're doing this year that I'm in charge of is the uh, Mavs.com pregame show. So an hour before tip-off, uh, we're going to do a live-streamed pregame show for 30 minutes, leading right into Mavs Live on Fox Southwest. And you'll be a part of that. Bobby will be a part of that. Skin will hop in on that. We'll get McMahon on there. We'll get everybody that you know, that you trust, that you want to listen to on the pregame show. So super excited about that. Um, 30 minutes, no commercials, all fun, all the dudes you like to uh, uh, hear their opinions. And uh, I'm really Really jacked up about the pregame show, man. I think it's going to be a game changer uh, for us. So that's my main project. But basically, any new video projects, that's your boy. Nice. Um, I, I think them up. I, uh, I go do them. I edit them. And I say, here, share with the world, uh, Mavs.com. So anything, any of the new stuff you've seen, like the uh, 41 days thing that we did, I did that. Uh, the, Luke, the workout videos, I did that. The Troy Aikman new commercial um, and the long form one, I did that. So any of the stuff that uh, I feel like the Mavs deserved to be already doing, uh, they deserve that kind of hype. I'm kind of in charge of that. So managing editor of digital media, whatever the hell that means. But that's me. That's Mike. And um, we talked uh, not at length, but, you know, enough about Luca's expectations. And it's this weird part of the summer where you have four to six weeks of you can't really say anything new because you haven't seen anything new. Um outside of me going to practice and hanging out with the dude for a little while. We haven't heard your expectations for Luca's rookie season, and I guess your your history with him. Um, were you excited about the third overall pick? Were you excited about the trade-up? All of it. Give me all of it. Yes, 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 and yes. And my history with him is pretty much the same as everyone else's that started hearing his name in 2016, probably for some big-time hoop heads. It was before that. Um, but whether it's Eurobasket, whether it's Liga stuff, um, all that stuff is, is available pretty much in full on YouTube. So you can go, um, particularly interesting to me is the Slovenia games where he was playing with uh, Drogic and Anthony Randolph, I think. Which yep. was yeah. <laughs> confusing to me. But, uh, and they just killed people. Yeah. And they won the whole thing. Drogic ag- averaged like 20 points a game. <clears throat> and as far as the trade-up goes, it was kind of an interesting... He was the only guy I wanted to move up for. I didn't really feel like anybody else was worth moving up for. I'm not as high on Aiton as a lot of other people are. So to me, he was the only guy that I thought, okay, this is worth it. And it's kind of it's an interesting decision because 
people already say the 2019 draft is not very good. Right. And I'd been hearing that beforehand, and I don't know. I mean, I really, like I said, I know these names, but until the season starts, I'm not watching, you know, AAU games online. Um, but that cer- certainly does impact your decision to make a to make a move. Like, we may not know for sure, but they at least have to have an idea. And if their idea was that the value of a pick in the top 10 next year is going to be, let's say, 85% of what it would be in a normal year, and let's say that the value of picking in that spot this year was like 115% of a normal year, well, then you kind of get into they're not – not all top 10 picks are created the same. So I thought that was something that they're signaling by saying, we think that there's not a player even close to this dude even at one next year. Uh, so and you compound that with up, what kind of pick you're actually giving up in next year's draft in that it might be 12 to 15 higher than that. I expect it to be higher than the 10th overall pick. I think there are going to be nine teams in the league that have worse records than the Mavericks at least. And you you control that right. by going after DeAndre, I think, by adding dudes that bump your win total up. Yeah. So that's kind of like a... I don't know. You're doing yourself a favor there where it's like, okay, I'm giving up a first round pick, which you never want to do. It's if, I have the, if I have the choice and I'm like, I can get out of this deal without giving the, up the first round pick or give up like two seconds or something, of course I'm going to do that. But like you said, going into next year, the draft isn't as saturated as it was this year. And our people say, experts say <laughs> at least, uh, RJ Barrett, Zion, and whoever the hell else, Cam Reddish might end up being all-stars, all three of them. Who knows? But you expect to have a worse first round pick. Right. That's something you entirely control. And so, and a huge part of where that pick is will be how quickly he uh, is acclimated to the NBA game. And to me, as interesting as he is, he's any NBA player, especially whenever you add somebody that you're relying on, you're going to expend that much of your resources. It's not really about them as much as it is about their team and how they fit on their team. And so, first of all, obviously, from what we've seen over the years, I mean, we the Mavericks turned Jameer Nelson, Monte <laughs> Ellis, Chandler Parsons, and Tyson Chandler into one of the best offenses of all time a few years ago mm-hmm. before they broke that thing up. I mean, they were stupid, stupid efficient in the pick and roll. So we know that that's how they want to play. And to me, before we get to like the expectations of how what he can do in year one and then going forward, if nothing else – they can get us out of this two- or three-year rut that they've been in offensively where they're just not exciting. It's, they they have a really hard time making other teams make mistakes defensively because the ball just dies. And while Barnes has turned into a really good ISO player, Barnes was 7th in percentage of his possessions that came in ISO last year, and Dennis was 11th. So the only way that you really want to have two guys that high is if it's Harden and Paul, who were 1-2. and two. And they also have a ton of other guys who can, you know, accomplished offensive players around them. And the Mavericks really didn't outside of Dirk. I mean, the second unit obviously is the second unit. They're going to bully people with with offense. But I think if nothing else, they can get back to playing a little bit more how they want to play because when they first started tracking pick and roll numbers and synergy, at least whenever it was made public, I went through like the first, the, like the last eight years and the Mavericks were number one in the league every year. And it was a percentage higher than it was the year before. So basically they were setting a record for the percentage of their possessions that came from pick-and-roll ball handler or pick-and-roll roll man, and then it just started to fall off because, I mean, they just don't really have anybody. They don't have anybody with Luka's skill set offensively. So to me, the best version of a team without Luka Doncic, the best version would be if they could become what the Thunder have become with just Russ because I think 
Smith is a point guard because he's explosive. Luca is more of a point guard because he has traditional offensive skills to get other people looks. Whereas I feel like Smith's offensive skill set as a point guard is primarily geared to get himself looks. Mm-hmm. And so I don't love that. I love yep. the guy, and I think he can be great in the right situation, but I do think there's a ceiling to how far having a guy like that have the highest usage rating for any rookie in forever. I think that's probably not what they want. Probably not, and I mean, the trick for him is the trick for every young dude that comes in that's a uh, you know, consistent ball handler, and it's league average efficiency. Yeah. And on last year's team, he honestly did not have a chance in hell. He was one of the least efficient players in the league by most of the peripheral stats. But yeah. how much of that is that that's how he had to play and how much of that is that he can play a different way? And mm-hmm. I know this has been talked about a ton, but I, I really don't think you can project out what Luka's career and especially next year, I guess, look like without thinking about Dennis. And I don't For think sure. it's overblown. I don't think I, I, I think maybe the concerns are overblown that it won't work. But I don't think it's an overblown topic because I think it's the main thing we're going to have to watch and see how it unfolds on the offensive end of the floor because the way I imagine this working is that is pretty much how the Rockets play, maybe with less isolation, but just that a lot of times whenever the first unit offensively last year started a possession, the ball really never saw the other side of the court. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, if Luka has the ball, whether he brings it up or not, there's no you can't cover Smith Jr. through like the number of screens that they should be running him through with his speed. So even if he can't really become a good shooter and can and can't you you can threaten somebody from the outside without having to take a three point shot. You can just catch the ball on the move and get to the rim. Or catch the ball on the move, get to the rim and find Matthews, who I think is probably going to be pretty good this year, as weird as that seems. Yeah given that he's not going to have to create much at all, and you would think they'll be more creating for him. but And I think there's plenty of times, too, where Smith Jr. will still be the dominant ball handler, but he needs to be the dominant ball handler and not forget about the rest of his team because now he has guys that if he finds them, the possession is not over. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the most interesting thing about this season and about Luka offensively is that it – I feel like it's more incumbent upon Smith Jr. to change his game than it is upon Luka to go the other way because I don't think Smith uh, Luka is really ever going to have that top-tier athleticism to where you want him being like a true two. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think Smith Jr., even without his jump shot being great, can still beat you offensively off the ball, if that makes any sense. I think both of them can be very good both on and off the ball for different reasons. I think whenever you look at that backcourt, and you look at, uh, okay, you throw Wes in there. Wes is starting and Barnes and and uh, DeAndre. The optimum output for that starting unit, if DSJ and Luke are working the way I think they can probably pull it off, you don't have a defensive cabinet that can stop that. You don't have the right guys that can stay in front of Dennis, that can compete with the size that Luca can bring, that can keep DeAndre from diving down the lane. And then, all, okay, Wes, you know, not the most efficient from three in the last couple of years, but I think his numbers are going to have a slight uptick because of the talent that's around him. And then Barnes can be your bailout guy. Yeah. If there's seven seconds left in the shot clock. It's like, Harrison, go to work. Work from the elbow. Because, I mean, he, he's had to adjust quite a bit in the last couple of years in a few different roles every season he's been here, but he's been, he's been good at it. He's been league efficient at being a ISO 
uh, I'm going to score 20 a game guy. I would say he's been better than that. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think isolation wise, he's become one of the best players in the league. Yeah. Top, top, you know, what, 20 or 25. The problem is, is that it's so good that they kind of fall in love with it because ultimately it's not an efficient way to play. Yeah. But if you look um, at starting units. I do think units, he can get you buckets, though. Yeah, for sure. But if you look at starting units, you don't have those five defenders on your team. It's Very few teams do. A pretty interesting toolbox. Yeah. And I think um, the other thing offensively is not just that they, they should be – the ball needs to move more. They fall in a couple spots every year over the last few years in passes per game. Like I already mentioned, they've fallen off a little bit on pick and roll. Um, but where they've really, really fallen off is transition – and fast break points. I mean, I think they've been last the last two years, and it really mm-hmm. hasn't been that close. Yeah. Um, they walk the ball up, mm-hmm. and they just wait. And a lot of times it works. I mean, I'm particularly talking about their starters, too, because the second unit can play a little faster with J.J. pushing the ball a little bit and with Powell. But as the starters go, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying you can't be a good offense if you play that slow, but I would much prefer them with as young of a team as they have I would much prefer, dude, if you watch those Eurobasket games, Luca will throw the ball, like he will take the ball out of the basket and throw it up the floor. Yeah. And as fast as Smith Jr. is, and with Barnes still being a guy who can run the floor, was really good in transition, um, I think they just need to play. They, I think their pace will probably jump up 10 spots, mm-hmm. and I think transition scoring-wise, they can really hurt people. Yeah, I think the... Mavericks DNA over the last couple of years and a lot of this will tie into what we're talking about next which is uh them playing without a true center or just a big just a real right. big for five straight seasons has taught them some I wouldn't say bad habits it's just kind of triage it's yeah. we don't have a big we don't have a ball handler like this so we do xyz so we so we walk the ball up we cherish every offensive possession as if we're going to drain the clock down to 24 seconds uh, and get the best look possible because we know we're not getting an offensive board. Right. You know, if the first pick and roll doesn't work, it's automatically to ISO. Yeah. There's these things, these these traps you fall into, uh, and it's just survival mode. It's okay. Dennis ran a pick and roll with uh, you know, Dirk or whoever it is with Barnes. It didn't work out. Okay, Barnes, here's 12 seconds left. Do your thing. And that's not efficient offense. That's not how most teams run. Yeah, I mean, in my in that scenario you just laid out, I would just like to run it again. Yeah, like let's just try it again from the other side. You can try it. They they should have two guys and really three if you include Barnes, who mm-hmm. can beat you as pick and roll ball handlers. They're going to do it in different ways, yeah. but all three of them should be able to do it. And really, the only below average shooter they're going to have on the floor is a guy who doesn't shoot in DeAndre. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have anybody who's just going to go lights out. I do think there is a chance that at some point Doncic is a phenomenal three point shooter. I know is percentages in a small sample from one season last year he had a funky like 31 32 percent year but I wouldn't be surprised at all if, especially with Rick and in this offense if he ends up being like a 40 percent three-point shooter and I know that sounds crazy but his stroke is just too nice yeah uh not to so he's got that and he can shoot over anybody that's gonna be guarding exactly I don't think that about Smith Jr right? right I think he'll probably top out at league average so I but that's still dude that's really really dangerous and you know the 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 decision to play without a center obviously mostly affects them on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as excited as I am for their offense, and I and I think that there's they'll there's no way they'll be last in transition points this year. There's no way they'll be as as low in uh, pace as they were. You can beat Doncic's ass on screens. Like some of those teams were hunting him, mm-hmm. and I think that it's easier. Probably he's. I think. A, 
this is cliche, but a lot of European players are way further behind defensively than they are offensively when they get here. I think that your athleticism, I we've probably all seen, there was an article in The Athletic before the draft about his time at P3, and the owner out there said, with the metrics they use, European players always have way further to go yeah. because they don't eat right over there as mm-hmm. well as, as what we think of athletes eating right. They don't train the way that we train over here. And so they have a, a much further that they can then leap up. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of times when you get like Marvin Bagley's never going to be more athletic than he is right no. now. Like this is the, <laughs> he may stay this way for another seven or eight years, but dudes who have been running through like for real gyms mm-hmm. since they're 13, they, there's not a whole lot of room to grow for DeAndre Ayton. Whereas like Doncic has a long way to go. And I think if he can probably drop 10 or 15 pounds, but become a, just a sturdier dude, he won't, get run because he tries really hard on defense it doesn't look like he's not trying but he does get quite bumped off yeah defensively and, and especially if he's guarding wings mm-hmm. I do worry about that a little bit I think there is a uh like a draft inefficiency market that's created uh whenever the chubby athlete and I'm not saying Lucas chubby I'm saying like whenever Draymond came out right and Draymond was chubby and Jonte Porter you saw in the last draft there's some people were just like stay away from because he's He's just thick. He's just a thick dude that still has baby fat on him. Right. Uh, I think if you take those dudes and you look at what you can get them up to athletically, that builds out to a better player than some of the dudes that have already like physically peaked. Like DeAndre Ayton, I don't know, he might get like his biceps might get an inch bigger. I don't know. I don't think he can get any stronger, any more powerful, jump any higher. I just don't think it's there. And Luca's not doughy. Like, I don't know. He wears like looser clothes than most of the dudes. So it's kind of hard to tell. I don't know. But he still has some baby fat on him. Dude, he's 19. Yeah, he's 19. <laughs> he still has some baby fat on him, and he was at P3 for like two weeks uh, watching the workouts Friday. I mean, that's basically, they ran two-on-two half court at the end of the uh, the practice, quote-unquote. It's like an off-season practice, right? Rick's not there. Coaches aren't there. It's like a training thing. He did everything like in the same level as everybody else. As like Dennis, he was doing the same exact workouts, same exact squat workouts, same exact jumps. Same exact uh, footwork drills. And he was like, wanted to race Dennis. Every time they were doing something, he and Dennis would find each other and be like, let's race. And he's not much slower than Dennis. Yeah, he's got a much longer stride. You can help yeah. him out, but that'll carry over to the floor as well. Like some some of the change of direction stuff, Dennis has got him. Like coming oh, out yeah. of breaks. Oh, yeah. But Luca can, he can hang with him, dude. They did like a flat out foot race between him, Dorian, and Dennis at the end of practice. And Luca's like right there. Like it's the difference is like half a foot of where Dennis finished on a full court sprint in front of Dorian and Luca. So he's got athleticism and he's got energy. He's got, he's just got like 19 year old juice. I don't know how to say it. He's just, he just wants to run all the damn time. He loves running. He loves, uh, you know, just the basic fun. Let's go play outside type stuff that he's got in him. And he has so much fun doing it. And, uh, I hope you, I hope that came across in the video. Oh yeah. Absolutely. He, was, he has the best time like playing basketball. And he and Dennis, people are so worried about their relationship and how it's going to work out. And I guess it's easy to say in week one of Mavs offseason training that these guys like liter- legitimately like each other and love each other and like, um, you know, are already buddies and already want to compete against each other. And two months in, you know, whenever a last second shot goes to one or the other, we can, we can, you know, pick nits about that. But these guys are going to get along. They want to play together. Like the moment any competition that involves more than one person starts up, those dudes grab each other. Dennis goes and grabs. He's like, Luca, let's go. Like whenever well, they're running half court, it was it was Dennis just goes, come on, let's let's, let's go. And 
just a little scouting report of what happened in the half court sets. Luca cooked everybody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> like it was okay. Wes was shooting on his own, so he's at the other end. He's not doing anything. Barnes was already done with his individual practice, and DeAndre was gone. So it's none of the older dudes really. It's all the the younger dudes. It's it's your uh, it's your Brokovs. It's your it's your Jalen Brunsons. It's your Finney Smiths. It's your Jalen Jones. All those guys. Nobody could hang with Luca, like athletically or anything. His first step, he got where he wanted to go. He would shoot like, okay, it's a shoot. If you don't make the basket, the ball goes over to the other team. It's not like get your rebound, kick right. it back out, work it again. It's that kind of game. The ball doesn't go in the basket. You turn, the, turn it over. The, game, the winning shot of two on two, I think it was like four to two. I think you're playing to five. And uh, Lucas shoots from like two steps back behind the three-point line to win the game. And I'm like, Ugh! and it goes in and he's just like, meh. Got it. Yeah, I do think that as as great as Dirk is and as unfortunate as it is for especially a young European player coming to the Mavericks because of the expectation, Mm -hmm. I also think it's kind of – it kind of works the other way a little bit in the sense that I think a lot of people are worried about his competitive level. For sure. And I think a lot of people – I mean, because Dirk has straight up said that he didn't really want to be here Mm -hmm. and that he thought about going home. Yeah. And so it's not like we're making up that he was a little bit – soft compared to how you know NBA uh rigors mm-hmm. when he first got here and I'm not saying that there's not going to be things that are different but they could not be more different on that front yeah <laughs> I mean for better or worse Dirk was just a very reserved um I mean I started hearing people say that they thought that Doncic was too cocky like over a year ago <laughs> that people were like dude he just thinks he he thinks he's way better than than he is and then he went out, played another full season, yeah. won like every single title belt he needed in his federation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he might actually just be this good. Yeah. So, I, I don't. Th- I think that it really does come down to uh, Smith Junior.'s buy-in, and that's really cliche and it's um, subjective. But I think it, you'll see it on the floor because there's there were times last year when they tried to start JJ and they took him and kind of put him at the two. And he didn't seem super happy about it. Yeah. So he's probably, um, probably would be more miffed about being moved off the ball for a guy who is at the end of his career mm-hmm. than for a guy that he knows he might be playing with for the next decade who has, as you said, 19-year-old juice and can get him looks. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's a huge part of it, and I'm excited to see what their offense looks like. So for me, the numbers that I'm looking for, pace, transition offensively uh, and an increased getting back to just hammering people with pick and rolls. And the last thing is I did an article about this, uh, an athletic article about this a, a few months ago. Nobody was paying attention to the Mavericks in like the last two months of the season, but quietly Harrison Barnes turned into a at least average playmaker. I don't think he'll ever be great, but he was starting to, his assist numbers jumped up a little bit. He had the ball more. Um, he really took off when playing uh, late with uh, with Powell. Like when Powell started starting mm-hmm. and they had somebody that could actually set a pick for him and actually get to the rim, all of a sudden Harrison Barnes can find guys uh, you know, in the half court. Whereas before, when he's out there with Dirk at the center, it's just not the same. Like You're throwing the ball to Dirk and Dirk is getting his own shot. Whereas whenever he had Powell out there, he was getting him a lot more looks at the rim. So really, you're talking about having like four dudes who can all at least kind of shoot and kind of pass and kind of dribble. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, all right, let's transition to uh, what DeAndre Jordan can bring 
Luca's going to bring what he does offensively, and you know, hopefully, the defense comes along. And I think it's going to be a rough year, dude. I want to be clear about that. Yeah. Like, defensively, I think it's going to take him some time. I think. Yeah. I think because he's so incredible offensively, and because we're so excited about it, I like to do this thing where um, I try to like jot down ten storylines that I think are going to come up. Sure. And his ass is getting benched at least once or twice this year, and everybody's going to make a huge deal out of it like they always do mm-hmm. whenever Carlisle wants to send a message or he gets frustrated. Luca gets frustrated because he's getting beat up on on screens and and he's getting you know trying to close out and getting cooked. That's going to happen a few times, and there's going to be like a minor little hubbub about it, just like there was last year whenever they weren't playing Smith Jr. at the end of the game mm-hmm. uh, in the first couple months, and it's not going to matter. But it, there's a storyline every day, and I can promise you one of them is going to be about him riding the pine in key moments because Carlisle's trying to send him a message uh, about defense. Yeah, that I can almost promise you that's going to happen, but it's part of it. Yeah, such I, as growth. I definitely think that's. If you yeah, if you look in the uh, the crystal ball, I can see that three months away uh, at some point. But I think they're one hundred percent bought in. They don't even you know a headline for one day or a one one day Twitter storm of somebody uh, pointing out, oh, Luca's last three games, he hasn't played you know the final two minutes or something like that. Like who yeah. cares? Like this is the long haul. This is like the buy in rebuild that we've been uh, you know clamoring for for a couple of years now of admitting this isn't good enough. Let's get good enough. Right. Let's do that. So it's it's. That doesn't bother me. Same thing with everybody assuming uh, Dennis and Rick were going to butt heads last year. Like, we didn't see any of that. I saw teaching him some lessons and uh, him admitting he probably needed to grow a little bit, and that's it. That's all it was. Everyone thought that it was going to be like some kind of Rondo-level blow-up, and it just didn't happen. Uh, and I don't think it will ever happen. I think Dennis understands what Rick wants, and Rick understands Dennis. And Dennis is a super nice, cool guy. Like, I feel like uh, he's the most understanding person on the team that I've like spent more than 30 minutes with. He's just like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's, you know, what do, what do you need? What do you, what's uh, what's going on in your life? Type of guy. So I don't, I don't see that being an issue. But um, DeAndre was in town for a couple of days last week, and uh, Sparrow. Main, mainly, yeah, Captain Jack, mainly working with uh, Harrison Barnes in the pick and roll. If that interests you, hmm. yeah, hmm. <laughs> a little four or five pick and roll for you, hmm. just. Bro, give me give me your defensive unit that's gonna gonna keep those guys out of the paint. Let's who was uh, who was uh, the Rockets four or five that year that they just drew and quartered Dirk in the pick and roll? With the oh, five. was it Josh? God, Smith? that was Josh Smith. Josh Smith Josh was right out. White, yes, dude. That was, that was a so painful. Effing clinic, dude. When the year. the Mavs would either miss or make on one end, and then I was just like, Oh no, they're gonna do it again. Yeah, I'm like, Oh, they? they're gonna pick him out, aren't they? They're gonna pick him out. Whichever bad. guy he tried to defend, he was like, all right, let's do this again. But yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, Barnes way, way better than the pick and roll whenever you got whenever he had Powell out there. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. want to talk about that on steroids. Yeah. Dude, Not just real watching, steroids, everybody. <laughs> right. Just watching that dude like set a pick. Like, okay, it's coaches that are defending them, right? It's dudes that used to play in the league that are, uh, you know, it's like Daryl Armstrong and it's like Sham God and it's, uh, right. I can't remember, uh, Jamal, Coach Jamal, I don't even know his last name. But uh, they were defending Barnes and uh, DeAndre, and it was like three on two, basically. And watching DeAndre set a pick and just make the right read like that coming down the lane. Like if some dude overplayed, he would, he would, he would run, do the, uh, the dive through the paint, and then screen the other guy, screen the other man's man after setting another pick, just spin open, throw a guy 10 feet with his hip, and the ball's there, and he's like, oh, here you go. 
just watching a real sinner that has automatic, like machine-like um, diagnosis of what's happening to, happening to him while running down the paint and not just sprinting towards the basket yeah. like some dudes used to do on this team. It's so incredible. Like watching a man of that size, that nimble, that swift, who knows how to move and knows how to throw dudes around and just get easy buckets. DeAndre is going to be awesome. And he's been awesome for a long time. And people are worried about his little fall off last year. Some of the numbers that uh, definitely concern people is, uh, let's see, he defended just 346 shots from within six feet last year and allowed 60% shooting on those shots. So that's uh, down from the year before. Isn't blocking as many shots. I think was, his block rate fell in, fell in half last season. I'm not worried about that. Dude looks super light. He looks like he's he's done the, the dirt trick where every year he shows up, he loses like five to ten pounds. Mm-hmm. He, lo- he looks light and he looks like he's springy. And, uh, he, I mean, it's a contract year. There's no way around that. But his synergy numbers defensively are still very strong. Yeah. But they've, they're very strong, and yet they've still seen a slight drop-off, which just indicates that a couple years ago he was one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, he was defensive player of the year caliber. He might not be quite that anymore, right? Um, but that's still uh, he's he's going to be the best center they've had in here since 2011 Tyson, and it won't even be close. Yeah, and really, it's more just a declaration of two things. Um, would well, you want to get into those numbers again first, or yeah, that's fine. Okay. I mean, I don't think we've I've mentioned this a couple weeks ago. The first time I was on numbers on the board, and we were talking about you know it was DeAndre was still kind of new, and uh, we've said this. I think you and I have looked at each other and gone, okay, well, this is happening because they don't have a real big man. Right. They don't have a guy that goes out there and the starting lineups roll out and you go, oh, well, this guy's keeping everybody out of the paint and this guy can defend the other five. I mean, Hassan Whiteside would come in here, Boogie would come in here, Gobert would come in here, and you'd go, okay, those guys are getting 25 plus. It's yeah. how you how you distribute the other points. And can you contain some of the perimeter guys? Because we haven't had anybody here. That plays heavy minutes, that gets a crap ton of rebounds, that keeps people out of the paint, and keeps easy layups from happening. So, last five years, I looked at the numbers. Basically, Mavs playing without a traditional center, and uh, what it meant for their style of basketball is what we're talking about here. So, 2018, (laughs) if you want to consider these guys centers, Powell played 21 minutes, Kleber uh, 17, Nerlens played 16 in the limited time he got. Bogut was the leading center in 2017 and only played 26 games here, 22 minutes. Nerland's got 20, almost 22 in his 22 games here. Year before that, Zaza's the last center, last true center, guy you would consider a five that has played here more than 25 minutes a game. Year before that, Tyson is the only one, that's the last one that has played 30 or more minutes a game in his time here. In the last five years. So they haven't had a traditional center that goes out there and plays the majority of the minutes in a game. DeAndre's a 33, 34-minute-a-game guy. Yeah, I think he can still probably give you that. What was last year? I think it was 31 and a half. And he he had 15.2 rebounds a year last year. I mean, I do do somewhat worry or wonder. I mean, when it goes, it's going to go fast for him because you don't have a lot of dudes who play like he plays that are 34, Mm -hmm. even 33, really. Um, and he'll be, he's 30 right now, or will be 30 this season. So, you know, you could get into the debate about whether or not it was smart 
for them to um, – I mean, really, there's three different points. Some people didn't want them to sign them at all because mm-hmm. they wanted the Mavericks to be bad enough to keep their pick next year and add another quote-unquote blue-chip type player. We've already detailed. We're less certain that that's there this year as opposed to last year. Mm-hmm. The second was the middle path, which is to sign him for one year. The third is to sign him up long-term. Mm-hmm. And you could get into that debate, but really, I, I think it – like I was going to say, it's a declaration of two things. One, they don't want to bring Doncic in – and then have Smith Jr. in his second year and and be abjectly terrible. Right. <laughs> they want to at least give him, and both of them really, some tools to learn how to play the modern NBA game with. Right. So that's the first thing. And related to that, the second thing is, as you were detailing, they're declaring that they don't want to play like they've played for the last few years. Right. That's a losing style of basketball. And Rick's been over to been able to overcome it with all these tricks and smokes and mirrors and all these little little things he's learned over the years in which he can compensate. Um, but the same reasons that you're overcompensating for the center not being there is the same reason a lot of good teams that have complete rosters would run you off the court. But it was, but again, it's a, it's a matter of necessity, not just because they couldn't sign a center, but because their best player is still a guy who is no longer a fit for a modern NBA starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Unless you just had the perfect lineup around him. And yep. he knows that. They know that. But, I mean, they could have tried last year. Speaking of media day, whenever they told us last year that Nerlens was going to be coming off the bench, and we're like, whoa, we haven't even... <laughs> haven't nobody, even had, nobody asked. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, uh, they could have tried to play him at the five and put Dirk at the four, but Dirk ain't chasing fours around anymore. He yeah. has to guard fives. Yeah. And so many more teams play a stretchy type player as their second unit five than their first. So... It just really wasn't an option. Um, either he was going to the bench or he was starting at five. Now they don't have to do that. And they have some funky numbers mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as their, where their shots come from because they actually give up fewer shots at the rim than anybody else in the league. The problem is that they have the highest percentage <laughs> yeah. of those shots at the rim, and teams don't necessarily have to take shots at the rim because they can get so many other types of looks on Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they do get to the rim, it was over. I mean – they were the worst team defending the rim last year in the entire league. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think that they'll they won't be anywhere close to that. Um it'll be weird because they don't really give up a tons of a ton of points in the paint. Again, I think they might have been lowest, lowest in the league, so you're not going to necessarily see a, a a change in the number, mm-hmm. but you'll see a change in uh how they play defense overall. Yeah, and I would have been fine with a long-term deal. With DeAndre. Yeah, I know you were uh, a little bit more on board with that. I mean, I don't know. I just – I kind of want to keep my options open. I know there's a couple of restricted free agents next offseason that they're really interested in um, who may or may not be from around here. <laughs> right. Uh, at least that I'm interested in. I want them to be uh, in on, although the RFA game is a weird game. I just – I don't know. I, I, I'm not worried about him for this year, but there's those at least slight cracks to where you're like, all right, as long as I know what I'm signing up for and not think that I'm getting 26 through 29 and understand that I'm getting 30 through 32 or 33 mm-hmm. and gauge your expectations that way. Yeah, and I think the numbers you brought up of them being the worst in terms of once you get to the basket, it's just a layup. It's you know can, 67.3%. Can, can you make this layup or not is kind of the question once you get in the paint against the Mavs and, uh, as of last season. And uh, I feel like the numbers you laid out kind of dra- draws to – the evolution of optimum offense in the NBA. And a lot of times pick and roll isn't necessarily even ran to get the lob dunk. 
it's ran to get the weak side defender sucked in so you generate a good open three because right. that's the most valuable shot. You're going to have the guy in the corner is going to have to come tag the big, mm-hmm. and then it's a matter of can you get that ball to the corner fast enough. Yeah, You're trying to play as much three-on-two as you possibly can, right. which I swear to you the Mavericks did about three possessions a game last year. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to all, – all a coach – I mean, coaching is very difficult in the NBA because it's such a fluid game and you have these – contrasting styles and skill sets and stuff like that. But really, all you're trying to do in a half-court set is create a three-on-two game right? <laughs> or an open look, and which uh, is probably a product of a three-on-two game. So um, those are good numbers. And also, uh, the market kind of dictated the length on the DeAndre thing. Everybody started signing one-year deals. Agents aren't idiots. You just uh, can jump to conclusions on how much money is going to be sent- spent this offseason because this is the boom. Yeah. Last year was uh last off season was it was really it was really chilly outside right for everyone it ebbs and flows for sure yeah um and I don't know if it'll result in a ton of movement but I know it will result in a ton of huge huge contracts yeah but, back but to, I'm not even thinking about that dude like, no to be I'm honest with you I'm that. so much more involved in just how the guys they have here now are going to work yeah that I've I've kind of stopped even though I was just said I was looking at restricted free agents for next summer mm-hmm. I'm not like pinning my hopes on. We're gonna have this slot or that slot anymore. I just yeah. that's not really where my head. No, that's at. very refreshing to me. Yeah, quite very. honestly, <laughs> it's all we've been doing because beginning of last uh, season, discussion wise, I was already. I mean, at this point, last season, I was already looking <laughs> right. at cap space. Yeah, already looking at how do we create max cap space? How do we get the best pick? And right now, I'm more interested in. Okay, well, uh, if Luca and DeAndre work super well together, which I think they might, you know, how do we keep this guy long term? Yeah, you know. And as far as the center position goes, I, I know it wasn't tenable long-term, but Powell really was good as a starter. Yeah. Um, they What you get is, is noise in the numbers because then another team would sort of alter their lineup for that, and he was not often having to guard real bigs at the rim all that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was not, you know, he's one of the best role men in the league. I mean, that sounds yeah. crazy because... Your average NBA fan might not even know his name, but right. he is. And as excited as I am for DeAndre in the starting lineup, playing 30, 32 minutes, um, I love the rebound number trivia, yeah. which is very depressing that you'll get to. Um, I'm as, I'm excited for the second unit because with Pal, Berea, and Dirk, like they're going to really hurt some people. I mean, that's going to be nasty yeah there's so many just backups spare fours and fives in the league that are trying mm-hmm. to hang on that will not be able to handle that yeah i don't know how they're going to defend but defense matters less to me in second units than offense does yeah and i feel like a lot of the second units i feel like i can tell you what good teams kind of do on their second unit which is a backup ball handler slash score and then they probably have one pick and roll big yeah but you don't have a unit, much like the starting unit. Like, I can't put together a Western Conference lineup uh, on a random Tuesday, you know, going into Phoenix, going into, um, you know, Minnesota, going into et cetera, put together a lineup in which I'm super comfortable of the starting five that they can lock down all our five. Same thing with the bench unit. Yeah. Like, you probably don't have two bigs, one that can keep Dwight Powell from rolling to the paint and one that can stretch all the way to the three-point line and defend Dirk. Oh, and then keep Berea from driving you insane. Like, yeah. that's a very difficult guard. Um. All right. So rebound numbers. <laughs> Last time the Mavs had a player that averaged ten plus rebounds a game. I think you might people can probably figure it out because we mentioned his name earlier. It's Tyson Chandler 
with 11.5 rebounds per game in 2015. That's the only one since the year 2000. Yeah, that's that's bad. And it, it's hard to pull up how many other teams have had the same situation. Yeah. But There's multiples on every team, I think. Yeah. I think every single team has multiple years or multiple dudes that have had 10 rebounds per game. Um, and DeAndre, just so you know, uh, when we you know keep hammering home how different the style of basketball is going to be and how left-handed they've played over the years, 14.4 rebounds per game over the last five years. So you're walking into the arena on a random night, not looking at the guys in the locker room saying, okay, we're losing this rebounding battle. How do I overcome that? Yeah, That's old hat. That's gone. Those days are over. You walk into the court right now on the court in the AAC, and you can say, we can play straight up with just about anybody. Yeah. Just about any team. And I think that is a big part of why I'm excited for their transition offense mm-hmm. because they finally have a guy who is still one of the probably the five best rebounders in the game. Yeah. And they have a very fast guard and a guard who can get the ball up the floor with vision. Mm-hmm. There's th- That's the three things you really need. And then you kind of would like to have like an Ariza-like shooter, yeah. Um, which is why I think Wes probably should, again, have one of his better years here because I don't think they're going to ask him to do all that much, but catch from Berea, Smith Jr., or Doncic and shoot, mm-hmm. uh, especially in transition. And that's just, I don't know, I was thinking about this the other day, like watching, or even today, watching the NFL today, and I'm like, man, even these teams that are not playing all that well, they're, they, they don't even look like they're playing the same sport as what I saw the Cowboys do last Sunday. Right. And I feel like a lot of nights, um, that's how I felt about the Mavericks. You know, I'd do the mm-hmm. post-game show, I would get home and start watching the West Coast game, and I'm like, and even these teams that are not that good, they're just more fun to watch. Right. <laughs> because they're not playing this like strange amalgamation of styles that have been this part from here, this part from here, this part from over there. If nothing else, I'm very confident that they will play a fun style of basketball that involves crashing the glass for uh, DeAndre and then getting the ball up the floor for the other two. Yeah, and just think of the toll it takes off of Rick. Like he'll find a way to to grind himself into you know into rig zone one way or the other, but it won't uh, be goodwill hunting every night. We're yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's not it's not walking into the game every single second of every single game thinking, okay, how do I overcome for this rebound efficiency? Um, you know, how do I get a lineup in there that doesn't let people dominate whenever they get into the paint? And just the little tricks you would have to pull, and. The average Maverick possession last year, if you took all of them and mashed them down together and you did like, you know, uh, on Synergy where it says like, you know, entry pass to this, to this, to this, to this, and it kind of tells the how a possession goes. I feel like the average possession for the Mavericks last year was a failed pick and roll opportunity or pick <laughs> and pop opportunity to Harrison Barnes uh, for one look, for one shot, because you are not getting that offensive rebound. Yeah. That is not happening. You get one look, and you run back to the other end and hope to God those guys didn't beat you down the court and try and set up some kind of defense. Yeah, I feel like that's how the flow of the game went. And either the shot went in or the shot didn't go in, and not a whole lot of what happened in that extra 500 steps that everybody took in this possession had a lot to do with whether the ball went in or not. So your effort's kind of going nowhere. Now, with DeAndre Jordan, just simply adding a true center that can protect the rim and also is an excellent offensive rebounder 
I mean, his most used possession, whenever you look at Synergy, is offensive rebounds. Hmm. That's how he gets his most looks. 239 possessions last year for 264 points. Wow. The Mavs as a team, 317 possessions for 355 points <laughs> off offensive rebounds. So yeah. that's that's the interesting stuff to me. And I know also that like cleaning the glass tracks the points that you get off of misses. Mm-hmm. And the Mavericks, had, of course, as you might expect for a team that's not going to the, the glass at all, but they were third lowest in that. I mean, they just don't get putbacks. Yeah. They don't get anything off of free throws ever. <laughs> like any, mm-hmm. you know, if you miss a free throw against Dallas, it's basically just another possession. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if nothing else, that will change. And, and the last thing for me on DeAndre is I'm way more comfortable playing Barnes at the four if he's at the four with uh, DeAndre Jordan at the five as opposed to Dirk or yeah. even Dwight Powell. I mean, at times he's seemed a little bit weak. And I think that's an interesting one too because especially if we're, we're keeping Matthews in the starting lineup, which it seems like for now that's probably the way it'll go. I think there's going to be nights where maybe Luca looks more like the four, and like he's, you know, positioned. I, I, I think that one through four, they're going to look like you're not really totally sure who's who, mm-hmm. uh, position wise. Other than Wes, who you know he won't have the ball, but yeah, I think I'm I'm comfortable with Barnes playing the four because of who is next to him and who's at the bottom of the eye. Yeah, and I, they kind of. And I, when I say they, I mean like uh, NBA media contingent kind of took it as uh, as breaking news whenever Dirk made his little media circuit last week um, and leading up to the tennis match that happened yesterday. Whenever he was saying, you know, if I come off the bench, I come off the bench, whatever, just have a, have a bike ready for me so I can stay warm, you know. Everyone kind of took that as breaking news, which we've been thinking about every single edition we've made, you know, who slides out. You know who's riding, who's coming in at the uh, the seven minute mark, uh, like Dirk used to go sit out at, and I think Dirk makes the most sense. And people didn't really—I don't think anybody knows how, um, not gruesome, not. Uh, I'm trying to find the word. What he has to put his body through to just the nagging. Yeah. What, what what his ankles going through too? Yeah, that was a legit ankle surgery. Yeah, like when I saw him a month ago at. Uh, his camp, his little hoop camp that he showed up to, um, dude could not move left or right. Like, it just was not going to happen. He could, he would go shoot with the kids, but he was like, I'm not doing any of that stuff right now. So that kind of take, that might take it out of his hands. Yeah. Like, if you can only play for this extended amount of time, you know, four minutes at a time or something like that, I think it makes it a lot simpler for you to come off the bench. But also there is the, okay, well, if you, if your back seizes up every time. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm not ruling I'm not ruling out him I think it's eighty percent that he's the sixth man. That he comes in at the seven minute mark for whoever it needs to be. Will they still announce his name? Will they uh, yeah, do a six yeah, person for sure? You think the so? anchor? Yeah, he's the anchor. He's gotta be the anchor, right? Who else are you doing it for? Dennis? Uh Dennis is the only it's one just I can think weird. Of. I can't think of any teams who outside of game one announce a non starting player in the starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, if there was ever a time to do it, this would be it, but it's going to be kind of weird. I wonder what the Spurs did whenever Duncan started not starting. That would be an interesting – I mean, that would be the only other case I can think of recently. Yeah. I think I think he's got to be the anchor. If if it's not him, then it's um, maybe Dennis. Yeah, it would people, be Dennis. People love Dennis. Luca maybe next year. I don't know. We can talk about it. But um, 
So yeah, I don't think it's eighty percent, huh? Eighty percent the Dirk's the six man. And then the other twenty percent is of my mind starts wandering and I'm like, you know who'd be really awesome in that second unit? I think Wes would be awesome on the second unit. Yeah, but, I'm not sure. I know that I like whenever he's out there with Berea. Mm-hmm. I think, well, I like pretty much when anybody's out there with Berea. But, <laughs> right. but for what Wes lacks, Berea is, is very good to get him looks. Mm-hmm. His numbers uh, on passes from Berea are solid. But I, like I said earlier, I don't worry about defense as much for second units as I do offense. So I think I would prefer him to start and play a little bit less than go to the bench because. I mean, well, I just don't know what he's going to do, you know? I don't know what he would do in that unit. And, and again, I don't know what you would do with Dirk. Yeah. But I also don't know what you do with Dirk on the second unit either. Is he a four? Yeah. I mean, he, 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 can, he has a much better chance of guarding Ryan Anderson than he does mm-hmm. Clint Capella. Oh, for sure. Or whoever they would ask him to guard in the starting lineup. But, but it's still, I don't know. I, I think I would prefer Dirk. Um, and really, those are your only two options. Yeah. Because you're not, you know. Nobody else is coming. I mean, I'm sure there will be nights where Doncic doesn't start. I would be surprised if he started all 82 games. Um, I, there will be nights, I would bet. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – like They didn't not, bring Dennis off the bench at all last year. No. It's not, it's not a bad decision to have. I mean, I think both guys can bring value to the second unit. It's just I, I don't see the exact fit with either one. And I think I – I think I'd rather have Berea – Having fun with Powell and Dirk, because I've no, I've seen him do it. <laughs> that's that's the only reason yeah. why. If if it's Brea, Powell, and Wes out there as the three guys that check into the seven minute mark, I can see that working. Basically, what you're doing in that situation is you're you're banking on being able to have Wes Matthews guard Eric Gordon or yeah, you know yeah. Whoever, whoever Brea should be checking. Whatever, yeah. yeah, whoever Brea should be checking yeah. will be Wes's uh, problem. And I wouldn't be surprised if they try that from time to time. Yeah. I I, I do think there is there is some risk in messing with your starting lineup too much because they had to have had the, the most starting lineups in the league last year. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, they didn't have anybody who really – I mean, their most heavily used lineup by the end of the year was still the Dirk and Kleba frontcourt. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and that that lineup actually had a, I think had a pretty good rating. But in any case, uh, I would prefer them settle on something and kind of stick with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and their bench was, I mean, their bench saved their offensive rating last year. Yeah, like otherwise they just would have been garbage <laughs> in terms of that number. Uh, and I don't think that's gonna have to carry that much weight this year from the bench unit. Um, all right, so we got about five ten minutes left. What I wanted to get to is the guys that are 27 and under on the roster. And maybe we can we can formulate the question in a couple different ways, like which which one of these guys or uh, how many of these guys m- maybe uh, possibly jump into like the SI top 100 or we can phrase it however we want to in terms of, uh, okay, does this guy jump to all-star level or jump to, uh, you know, starter level? So here's the guys we're talking about. We're talking about Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic, Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleber, Jalen Brunson, and Dorian Finney-Smith. Those are the guys in the roster that are 27 years old or younger. Dirk's already in the top 100 of SI, 96, Barnes 59, DeAndre 43. Which one of these dudes is most likely um, 
We'll take Barnes out if we're going to phrase it as the SI question. Which one of these dudes is most likely to jump into the top 100 next season, whenever they put this out next, I guess, September? Of Dennis, Luca, Powell, Kleber, Brunson, Finney Smith. I think that the smart play is probably Luca. Um, I guess it just depends on what sort of what his role is, but it does seem to me that especially when you're voting for something like this, and this is a player vote, right? Or is I this think, SI? Uh, I think, just yeah, I think it was just, yeah. I think it was just Mahoney and all the dudes from the crossover. Well, see, I was gonna say that um, perhaps the fact that he's so electric would. Um, sway people. I think guys who are really exciting sometimes get overranked. Mm-hmm. But you could say that about Smith Jr. too, though. I mean, yeah. we all know that he's a freaking human highlight reel. Oh, yeah. He's, Even whenever he's not playing all that well, he gives you eye-popping stuff. He's like good Joey Gallo. Yeah. <laughs> he's memeable. So, that's a good one. I think, uh, I, I think the problem for Barnes is going to be just the position he plays yeah. and how they rank him. But... I guess you could say the West is just so freaking stacked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll go with Luca. Luca. And you know what it is? It's kind of like what happens in the draft, where guys who are two and three year college players fall mm-hmm. because we have more information on them. Yeah. It's kind of like any relationship. <laughs> You're <laughs> right. typically a lot more excited about it right. at the beginning because you don't know any of the bad stuff. <laughs> All I've seen is the Insta. This seems right, great. Exactly. So all we've seen is Luca's Insta. We have uh-huh. yet to get into a three-hour fight about where to go to dinner. <laughs> and so we still think he's we have, we have we don't have enough information to have bad information. Just like once a week, I want you to pick a place, okay? That's Just right. Just like once a week, okay? That's right. Just care. <laughs> and so I think, you know, you could see it with Smith Jr. also uh, in the next couple of, I mean, I don't think either one of them will be there next year. I think, think we, so? we need a couple of years of this. I think um, Luca might. I think Luca might be ranked like 98th because he's second in rookie of the year voting and has like I don't know 12 points, five assists, four rebounds, something. Some he's gonna have some fun numbers. By the way, they're gonna be like uh, we're gonna go sort. We're gonna go to player index and we're gonna sort age 20 and under. Have you ever done? Uh, oh yeah, 13 points, five assists, five boards in a season. It's gonna be like oh, it's LeBron. That's fun. Well, like so, 100 this year was Lonzo Ball, who right. I still think is very good. Yeah, uh, I think that he is going to be fine. I think he's a really good defender. And plus, even he's trying his shot to un- is weird. Plus, he's trying a granny shot from three this year. He, so. it's a not a great shot, <laughs> but I think he can hit it at a decent enough level. So, do you feel like next year, uh, after the 2018-2019 season, if I were to give you all right, their contracts are the same, uh, would you rather have Lonzo Ball or Luca? I think it's very, very possible that you would prefer Luca. Yeah, I think. I mean. Not to dive into a full Lakers podcast, but I think the oh, I think they're going to the, be all right, man. The um, the thrashing that Lonzo Ball's reputation is about to take, I would brace for. I'd brace for impact on that. Why? Just because Rondo's there, and Rondo's uh, probably yeah, going to sun him, true, but... and then they're probably going to. I don't know if things don't go perfectly this season. I could see them making some drastic changes coming off season. See, I think that they're because LeBron is being like, "Oh, I'm cool if we don't win right now." Mm-hmm. I think they have a little bit more leeway than than you're giving them credit for. I think even if it doesn't work, LeBron is kind of like, "Look, the Warriors broke me. You guys just figure this out. If we can get another big time free agent next year, so be it. And if not, I'm just going to live in L.A." Well, that's. I mean, yeah, I think I think we're kind of talking about the same thing. I'm think I'm talking about next going heading into the off season. He's like, you know, which free agent I want. Go get that one. 
trade whoever you need to to create the space or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, you know. Like, okay, I'm looking through this list now and like Dennis Schroeder being at 80, Mm -hmm. I think I will be disappointed if I don't, if next (laughs) year I don't don't say I would prefer Luka over over Schroeder. I'll be upset. Who's a fine player. I mean, he scores a ton, but that's not what I'm looking for. No, I, my, uh. Hell, dude, I might take Smith Jr. over Schroeder right now. I'm not saying Smith Jr. is better. I for sure would. But I think as far as like, and again, it goes back to the what we we know way more about Schroeder and know that he's kind of unstable. And I I don't they just I think he got a ceiling on on a team with that guy at the helm. They just traded him for nothing, didn't they? Right. Yeah, but I mean they were in a, they're in a weird spot though. Yeah. I mean, they're trying to just hoard picks. Yeah, and they got our twentieth pick, twentieth overall pick next year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Okay. Um, what about for you? I think Luca's definitely in the top one hundred next year. Um, Dennis might be one of the honorable mentions. I think Luca's in there. I think the hype, the, I mean, just the buzz around him, number one, in the basketball Twitter universe already loves him. So I think even if he has like, I don't know, if he under underperforms as far as like where my bar is by just like a little bit, I feel like everyone else is still going to just love him to death. Uh, and he's going to have so many like sweet ass passes. And you know, the thing that really helps that is if he's playing with, Fill in the blank center mm-hmm. or Maxi Kleba at center. Yeah. He ain't getting into the top 100. No, I don't getting think into so. the top 100 is going to take throwing, you know, yams to mm-hmm. DeAndre three or four times a night. And I mean, they left Kuzma off this year. Yeah. Kuz- I don't know Kuzma about was, that. Kuzma was not in I the top 100. Too. Yeah. Which I was very confused. Some of the honorable mention dudes I'm looking at like, okay, Kuzma's better than Schroeder, right? <laughs> I think so. Just, yeah. Let's be let's be honest here. Like I don't I don't want to go into full evaluating other teams' uh, rosters A to Z, but Kuzma has a much higher potential. Like as of this moment, is a better player than Dennis Schroeder. I don't think anybody that watches enough basketball would fight me on that. Um, and I think Luca's probably gonna be have the buzz that Kuzma has right now. Maybe more because he's the third overall pick. Uh, but you weigh the third overall pick versus uh L A hype, and it right. might might be even. Well, I mean, um, the difference there is just that they have so many other guys that take the shine off of yeah. Kuzma's, whereas here we're kind of like, uh... <laughs> Please be the dude. Right. Um, all right, so let's formulate that question in a different way. Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic. Give me maybe 10, 15 to 30 seconds on each on what it would take for those dudes to jump up to an all-star level. So Bar- um, Barnes, DSJ, and Luca. I would say for Barnes, I'll start there, and I don't know how this is going to work because I think that um, they're going to play a style where he's now like the third ball yeah. handler instead of the second in a lot of situations. But you can say it's not possible. <laughs> That's totally fine. It's probably not possible, but I think if he were to jump up to like 37, 38, 39% from three, mm-hmm. he was at 35.7 last year, 35.1 the year before that. Um, but his last season in Golden State, he was at 38.3. Now, that was at you know 3.2 attempts, and he was at 4.3 last year. But if he was shooting five threes a game, six threes a game, mm-hmm. and hitting at like 38%, he would be a 20-point-a-game player. Yeah. And there aren't that many 20-point-a-game players who feel like they're not even in the conversation to be an all-star. Right. So I think that's probably what it would take, is he would have to be a consistent 20-point-a-game player, and he would have to do it um, like let's look at twenty point a game guys right now and see who we consider just completely off the like uh the cutoff is Clay Thompson at twenty eight. Yeah. So there are twenty eight players who score 
20 or more points a night in the NBA. So and, each team has one, basically. Yeah. But, and, but obviously it doesn't divide out that way. And most of these guys are guys you consider to be all-stars or right on the verge of being all-stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you how he does it. And this is, you know, I'm just building the best argument here. Harrison Barnes can be an all-star this year. If he does exactly what you're talking about, if his if you if you can round up from 19.5 or higher, so you can call him a 20 point a game score, um, his efficiency can stay the same. That's totally fine. The other numbers of how things are going to get re reformulated, Dennis and Luca just kind of split those. But the Mavs have a really good first half. Yeah, if you're the highest scoring, if you're a 20 point score on a team that is maybe in the Maybe sixth in the West at the All Star break. That's going to be tough to leave him off, or just not to like. He's an injury replacement, right? You know, because I mean the West is <laughs> the West has everybody. Yeah, I'm trying to pull every up the rosters here and stinking see buddy is in the West place. Like I don't know. I mean, it has to be an injury replacement most likely, but that that still counts. So you still get to put that on your resume. Um, but if he's a 20 point scorer on a team that has a decent win total. And is like the sixth seed going into the All Star break. I could see that. You can't leave, you know, a top six seed, twenty point score off the thing entirely. He's not super popular. Right. Um, because I think he likes it that way. Yeah. And he kind of keeps a really low profile and is just like a good dude and doesn't get too drawn into um people talking about him losing to a WNBA player in one on one on I think that might have broke me. <laughs> um, so he doesn't exactly sell himself real hard, you know? Right. Whereas He's just like, not worried some of these it. other dudes that have recently got to All-Star games seem like they're very concerned with it. Oh, yeah, the All-Star game, uh, the All-Star hype begins in the offseason whenever uh, basketball, basketballsports.com goes and shoots your off-season workout. Yeah, That's when it sure. starts now. Have you seen Damian Lillard's video? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I like See, that's it. a guy who's selling himself. Yeah, exactly. He's promoting himself, whereas Barnes is like, I'll buy lunch. <laughs> right, exactly. He did buy us lunch. It was it was fantastic. That's what I've heard. Uh, Dennis, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way that Dennis can reach all-star level this year. It just takes so long for point guards, and that position is exceptionally loaded. Yeah, I think his best chance at getting into the all-star game is uh, in 2023. <laughs> when he's 25, 26 years old, and some of these other dudes have aged out. I mean, Steph ain't going to be making all-star teams when he's 35, I don't think. Right. If he's even still playing. Um, you know, some of these other dudes will just be old. You know, mm-hmm. Russ will be 35, 34. And, and, dude, you can think of this. Dennis is eight and a half years younger than Russell Westbrook. That's so, crazy. like, five, six years from now, you're still going to think of him as he is in the absolute prime of his career. Like, mm-hmm. Dame Lillard is 27 right now. When Luca's or when Dennis and Luca are twenty seven, the league is going to look totally different. Oh yeah, because Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and James Harden, all those dudes are going to be out of their prime. Yeah. So his best bet is to just you know let's take this thing slow, mm-hmm. and by the time he's on his second contract, none of the dudes who are currently threats to him for point guard in the Western Conference um, are going. I mean Devin Booker is pretty much who we're talking about, right? Like, mm-hmm. in seven years, will he be more consistently an all-star? Jamal player? Murray, Devin Booker, yeah. that group of dudes. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I think he could put up, like, all-star caliber numbers. I think Dennis, a little bit more uh, efficient from three, 
Uh, I think he took five a game last year, five or six, which is insane. For a guy who hits it that low of a yeah. number, yeah, it's not good. I mean, if he if all his threes start coming from uh, catch-and-shoots instead of pull-ups, which he's not good at, and I think he knows he's not good at pull-up uh, jumpers at this moment, and he's probably been working on it for about three months now. Um, he's just so athletic. It's like Westbrook was, you know, first, I don't know, four or five years. When a pull-up jumper from Westbrook happened, you, whew, thank God. Yeah, thank God that guy just didn't. didn't That's a dunk possession on me. you won defensively. Yeah, thank God he didn't dunk on me right there, uh, because they're just so explosive, and to be balanced, perfectly balanced, explosive with both legs is a trick that hardly anybody can do, and it'll just take him a while to get that pull up jumper down. But if his if those threes, if he shot four and a half threes a game, and they all came from catch and shoot situations, I think Dennis would could have some pretty damn impressive numbers, like fifteen points, seven assists type stuff. He was 14 uh, of 45 on spot-up jump shots last year. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so, and then Luca, I think Luca could be an all-star just from the hype. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I could see that. Like, he could have very similar. He could just have some a real healthy box score of uh, 16, 7, and 5 and just have a lot of meme moments, a lot of gifs floating around there of my man uh, diamond people up, and I think Luca could just just the the hype, the Donovan Mitchell hype that happened last year, and yeah, he he definitely earned it. But um, there was some he was he was levitating. There was so much hype, and I feel like Luca could do that. But um, all right, let's save some of this stuff because we got a whole month until the season starts. Uh, Nine twenty nine is the preseason opener against the Beijing Ducks. You, go, the- you going? Yeah, I think we're doing a I think we're doing a test pregame. Uh, I think that's our first uh, little pregame adventure we're gonna have. So yeah, I'll be there. I'm gonna break down. I'm gonna ridicule these Beijing ducks in front of everyone. <laughs> Just yell at them. <laughs> Just heckle the pants off these Beijing ducks. Dude, what time must that be at? Are you sure you want to? We'll discuss. That's a normal time. Oh, that one's here. Nine twenty. Then they're going out after that. No, after that. After that is the three China games. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which are 6 a.m. games. Got it. <laughs> which I don't really want to get up that early. Oh, I'm going to do. I'm going to live tweet those. But I will. I'll be, Luca. I'll be on that. Uh, I'll be on the platform yelling as loud as I can for our boys whenever they have to go. <laughs> China's <laughs> go awesome. To China. Um, Everyone should go. Yeah. Although I didn't go to Beijing. So I kind of went to like China Light in Hong Kong, but it was pretty incredible. So we got the Beijing Ducks to come over here and play, and then we just go over there and don't. Just a home and home. It's weird. Yeah, it's a weird home and home. Just a 28-hour home and home. You know, (laughs) normal stuff. All right. Well, that's episode one. Jake, thank you so much for your time, man. Really excited to be doing this again. And uh, it's a natural fit, I feel, uh, that we're the four-pointer is back. Tell your friends. Tell your aunties. And uh, we'll see you next week.